a phenomenal Elite Eight matchup between number one UNC and number two Kentucky. Look, we've seen this already, right? We know what happens here. This is going to be a tight game. We know the script here. Guess what's going to happen this time? The script is going to be flipped. Give me UNC. Here are the reasons we like UNC. UNC plays at a bit faster pace. They're going to have more possessions. Because of the freshmen that are playing that faster pace and handling those increased possessions for Kentucky, I'm going to say there might be an extra turnover or two on the Wildcats' side. If you look at UNC's veteran leadership with Joel Berry, Jackson, throw in Nate Britt into that mix as well, those guys handle the ball unbelievably well at that high pace of play. It's not like any one of those guys is a turnover machine. Their bigs are really sure-handed. They're unbelievable with their footwork in the post. I think the veteran factor here is the difference in this particular game. If we're going to look at talent alone, you might lean towards Kentucky because they might have more lottery picks. They might have more NBA players on their roster. However, this isn't the NBA. This isn't the NBA draft. This is a single elimination NCAA tournament game where experience matters. And if you're going to tell me that the team that lost at the buzzer on a miracle three-point shot in the title game to Villanova last year is going to get shook by this Kentucky team, I'm going to tell you that you're wrong. Give me UNC and that veteran backcourt and those unbelievably skilled, disciplined bigs. UNC to the Final Four in the South region. Didn't you know it come down to this, listeners? Didn't you know that you would find Gonzaga in this territory, in this position? I think Gonzaga is a slightly more disciplined than Florida State. I think they are as talented. And give me Gonzaga, my sweet, sweet Bulldogs into the Final Four. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Wow. I mean, could you be more spot on on an Elite Eight game analysis than Gus was with Kentucky UNC? Whoa. And throw, of course, Gonzaga in, who he's like the whole year. He is the soothsayer, my friends. Welcome to the Screen the Screener Podcast. We talk all things NCAA tournament action with you. We are in the final four. I am Mike Randall. You can find me on Twitter at Fantasy Warrior Mike, FTSY Warrior Mike. You can find my partner Gus on Twitter, C Kearns, C K E A R N S 12. And of course, feel free to tweet the podcast at SDS Podcast anytime. I will turn it over to my friend who has won the Screen the Screener Mike vs. Gus bracket challenge, and he has two Final Four teams. How you doing, my friend? It's so good. I, I'm ex- more. Ex- I think I'm more excited about defeating you one on one in the bracket challenge than actually nailing two Final Four teams. It's totally awesome. Uh, hey guys, good morning, good afternoon, good evening out there. Thank you for your, your personal consumption of the Screen the Screener podcast. We are manufacturing this preview to the Final Four review of the Elite Eight College Basketball Adventure on the evening of March 27th. We wish and hope and long for March all year long. And now that it's finding its finish line, I find myself saying to March, please don't go. Don't go yet. Stick around a little while, March. Don't go. 
we aim to improve your commute to and fro, of course. Thanks for plugging us into your car, your earbuds, and, and your headphones. Hopefully you're out on that ride or you're spending some time outside now that the thaw has come. Those elite games were just what the doctor ordered. Listeners, we hope you enjoyed every bounce of the ball, every sneaker squeak. The final four is set, and we are ready to explore what went down and how they got there. We are always humbled, always thankful, and honestly honored to chat NCAA hoops with you, Mike, and our ever-increasing audience out there. We just wanted to send out an old-school ahoy out there to at Baller 16 Thanks for listening at the ground level. Appreciate it, man. And ahoy out there, at Coach Shoe Hoops. What's up, Coach? Thanks for finding us. Solancia, gratulatia, and happy to have everybody tune in. We can't wait to get to our Elite Eight rundown and then a quick little preview for the final four. You know, it's so funny, Gus. When you and I compete, I mean, gosh, we've been competing against each other since, I don't know, 1986, I think it was. I feel like even when we used to play one-on-one, we were high school varsity basketball together. The only way I could beat you is if there was like some thing, like whether it was I got super hot quick or you missed some shots, or we had like an excessively fast shot clock. Like I, I can't be normal flow. Like we used to play one on one. If it was a normal one on one game, you would win every time. Okay, but not, not be, necessarily true. There had to be some sort of stunt, and I feel like this tournament has has really been a mono mono battle. You crushed me in the first round. You've crushed me all the way along. And you did a great job. You got Kentucky through. I did not believe in Kentucky. You did. We will get into that game. They were fantastic. I love the crying after by Fox and Bam. Really was just poured their heart and soul out to it. And of course, you've ridden the Gonzaga train. And as much as I've tried to slice it down and knock it down, they just keep getting back up again. But well done, my friend. Congratulations to you. We will come up with something. Our guy Phil Olson, of course, has a suggestion. I think yeah. some chocodiles have to be involved as well. Kudos, well well done. Very, very excited. Wish I could have won, but very excited. You've been on fire. I think Lee Busby uh, suggested the Chocodiles, which is a fabulous suggestion. So thank you for the suggestions out there, listeners. Fantastic. We also want to throw kudos your way, listeners. Uh, because of the demand you guys put out there, we went ahead and opened up the Screen the Screener uh, Bracket Challenge out on Yahoo. And we just want to give a little shout-out and a little update on where the standings uh, are at right now. We are pulling for a listener to win here, and I think that's going to happen. Well, I'm, cer- our- I'm certainly not winning. We know that. <laughs> Here's our current top three as follows. In third place, we have Tyler and his bracket. Make them believe. you got to love this bracket. Uh, Tyler had Iowa State and Wisconsin in the final four, along with the Zags and UNC to make the final game, so really strong there. Uh, one of our loyal listeners is in second place. What up, Boog79? Where are you at? This one, one time. He has three out of the final four correct with Oregon, Gonzaga, and UNC. The only issue Boogs has is he has Duke winning the whole thing. And our current leader, which really he should be, and sh- I'm going to you know, give him the label show contributor, is Coach Matt at Jimmy Chitwood. Coach Matt. Coach has the most correct games with 42, and he has three out of the final four nailed, and he also has a final game of UNC versus Gonzaga. I think Coach Matt might have this thing sewn up, but we'll watch the Final Four and, and find out. But, you know, just wanted to give all three of you guys a shout-out. Thank you for contributing. And, and, you know, thank you, everybody, for joining in. And we just want to give a, you know, a quick shout to Scott Stevens and obvious brother John and Stevie for also hitting 40-plus correct games. Solid work out there, fellas. Yeah, great job, guys. Uh, gosh, you know, I, I frustrated Gus. I, I was on, and we learned this for next year's podcast. 
I've been on Oregon all year. I liked Oregon. I liked them in the preseason. And then the Boucher thing totally changed my mind. I can guarantee you this. If Boucher did not get hurt, I would have had Oregon not only making the Final Four, winning this whole thing. But kudos to Boogs. Kudos to uh, our current leader, Coach Matt, Jimmy Chitwood, for putting Oregon through. I think they put Oregon through. Great job, guys. You stayed with them. Excellent call. Well done. Hey, and just honestly, let's enjoy this Final Four together, guys, and marvel at Coach Matt and his selections. Congrats, Coach. Um, The winner will get a very small, uneventful prize for Mike and I at some point. So when we uh, tally up everything, we'll make sure that we uh, figure out who won and and get you something uh, via snail mail. Okay, guys? And guys, listen, if if you've been a part of this and you like what you're hearing and whether you're in the the bracket challenge or not, please do us a favor. Go to iTunes, rate us, give us five stars if you don't mind. Uh, We're on Blog Talk Radio now, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, but go to iTunes, give us that rating, five stars. We'd love to have a comment as well because it's really helped us. It's helped us grow. You're going to hear some ads in here from time to time. It gives us a little bit of of revenue so we can get some more things for you. We can offer some more prizes, some more contests. Uh, We've had some great guests along the way. And so really, we see this as a family. You guys have been with us this year. It's our first year doing it. You've been with us from the start. The more you guys support us, the more you interact with us on Twitter, you email the show, uh, sdspodcast at gmail.com the more we can do for you we love the sport of college basketball it's the best time of year and we've only gotten to this point because of you so thank you please to continue to support the show we really appreciate it yeah thanks for the support out there guys totally humbling that that this many people are like you know enjoying the exact same thing that we're enjoying and you know we can add to that enjoyment for you guys so that that, that part's really the coolest part all right mike let's give the people what they want let's, let's go give them let's go eight rundown and, hey, if we're going to start with the Elite Eight rundown, why not just start here, right, Mike? How about we just go Gonzaga 83, Xavier 59, in the showdown of small Cinderella schools with no football programs, just dying, dying to get to a Final Four, finally. And we kind of called that this Gonzaga would be just a little bit too much every place, everywhere for this current edition of Xavier and the brilliant coach Chris Mack. It seemed like Perkins and Melson gave Blewett just enough of an issue on the perimeter to hold him up and make him a little less efficient than he really needed to be. Uh, He definitely did not play like he did in the first three games with only 10 points, Uh, so I think those guys matched up with him uh, athletically. Jonathan Williams was all over the floor, 19 points, 8 boards, uh, a made three, three blocks, two steals. He did a little bit of everything to help this Gonzaga team move along in the right direction. And again, Gonzaga held an appoint, uh, uh, opponent under 40% shooting from the field. Xavier only shot at 36%. So I think this defensive stalwart, that's nobody really thinks of Gonzaga as that, is really showing itself here. In fact, Gonzaga limited Xavier to just 20 points in the second half. After a kind of high-scoring first half, I think the score was a uh, 49-39. Gonzaga at the half, and with Xavier only ending up with with 59, super impressive. But what a run here for Xavier, Coach Mack, Blewett, and the undermanned Musketeers. They just happened to run into the best team in the country. They run into a different team in this tournament. Their run might have continued. But if you're going to run into, like we said, this defensive stalwart that uh, Gonzaga's turned themselves into, unbelievable. Coach Few and the program reaches the Final Four for the first time in program history. Kudos, applaud, stand up, shout, salute. I'm sure he had bigger offers from bigger programs, right, Mike? But he stayed. He committed to bringing this program to the place that it is currently right now and hopefully a little bit beyond. 
And this ref- makes me reflect back on some of the coaching moves that we've seen this season thus far. Mike, you wrote in a pretty cool piece for BT Powerhouse and Coach Miller. Do you think that Coach Miller is second-guessing or maybe feeling like he could have done the same thing at Dayton? Do you feel like maybe Coach Mack is feeling committed, like after making this run, like, hey, I can do the exact same thing that Coach Few did at Gonzaga here at Xavier? And do you think that Coach Marshall will continue to have the same drive and make another Final Four and make a couple more deep runs at Wichita? So do you think what, – what did you think after writing that piece about Coach Miller specifically and maybe reflect back upon uh, Coach Few and his staying power and his commitment to the Gonzaga program? Yeah, really happy for Coach Miller. Uh, it was a great, great chance to write the article about him going to Indiana. Listen, I, there's no judgment that can be drawn on this. I think what Mark Few has is very, very special. In fact, I think it appeals to myself and yourself, Gus, as people who have families and have children and – Listen, there comes a point where you're not always looking for the next paycheck, right? But when you become a college coach, I think the normal reaction is to continue to climb. And you've basically, if you sign up to be a college coach, you've signed up to be going all across the country constantly. What Mark Few has done is special, and it should be celebrated. He took a job. He took a powerhouse. Uh, Dan Munson was there, uh, and and he did a good job, but Few took it to a different level. And he's happy there. His family's happy there. He gets paid well there, and he's done a fantastic job. So I I think that Marshall will leave. I think that Miller is not second-guessing anything. I think that it's a very natural reaction. But if you're at a small school and you get paid really, really well, well, like Mark Few does, then you can stay. But that's rare. It's very rare that a situation like, like that occurs. So kudos to him. As far as the game, Gus, this was a celebration in my mind. It was a celebration of Gonzaga. It was a celebration of them getting to a Final Four. This game was never close. I think Xavier led 4-3, to three and that was it. They pretty much blew their doors off from start to finish. They played great. Nigel Williams-Goss bounced back from a tough game, which was great to see. He had 23 points. He had 8 rebounds, 4 assists. Uh, Williams was great too, 19 points. You had 11 from Matthews, 11 from Perkins. This was a celebration. It was it was well-deserved. Everything clicked for Gonzaga. They locked down Blewett, who was 3 of 14 from the field. Very happy for them. Very happy for you. Like I said, they've had an easy trip in terms of some of the teams they played or the seeds, quote-unquote. You know what? They've had brutal trips before. They deserve mm-hmm. it. They're one of the best teams in the country. They're in the Final Four. I want to see them make the Final to me, this was a huge, huge celebration, and it was a blowout game. And you know what? I enjoyed every freaking minute of it. 24-point win, Mark Few, Shemek on the grill, Gonzaga in their Final Four. Great job. So you, you talked about just like their bad luck of uh, you know runs who they ran into. If we just go back the last three years, we don't have to go back that, that far, right? Um, last year, they run into Syracuse. Syracuse makes the run to the Final Four. Previously, with Wiltshire and Sabonis, uh, they go ahead and run into the eventual national champions in Duke. And then if we go back three years, that's where they got the bad luck that you're speaking of. And they ran into that really hot Wichita State team, which made a Final Four run. So the last three years, if you take a look at who they've gotten matched up with, they've made, got matched up with a team that made a Final Four run or won, won the whole thing. So you play who you play. And they just happen to have this draw. And guess what? Even with that draw, you still have to win those games, and that's exactly what Gonzaga did. So kudos to them. So happy they get to celebrate this as a team, a program. Um, you know, all the Gonzaga alums, I'm sure, are chiming in. I am so thankful that they had this opportunity to like do exactly what you called, like celebrate. So I hope that they enjoy it. 
But, man, they better man up this weekend against South Carolina because that is a man's team with Coach Morton, that's for sure. Yeah, and I, and I don't want to hear anything about the easy trip. You know what? There's a lot of schools out there, <coughs> Kansas, who has trouble beating the teams they're supposed to beat. A lot of those schools have faced lower-seeded teams and lost. Consistency, all you can ask for in sports when you're a coach is consistent success, sustained success. They got it. They're doing great. Final four, not a mid-major. They're a major program. Congratulations to the Zags. All right. Speaking of those Kansas Jayhawks, I'm not sure if you want to go there right away, but they fall to Oregon in the Elite Eight matchup in the later in the later game after we saw Gonzaga and Xavier. The former best team in the country, Kansas, fell in the Elite Eight again, and this time to the number three seeded Oregon Ducks. Man, how good was Jordan Bell, huh? Did we did we kind of nail that one? Oh, we nailed it. We we we're going to toot our own horn. We totally totally nailed it. You mentioned it. I mentioned it. I put it on Twitter. I said if he doesn't get in foul trouble, they're definitely covering and probably winning. And that's exactly what happened. Okay, so Bell was unbelievable in this game. Eleven points, thirteen boards, eight blocks, four assists in thirty-four minutes. He dominated the game on multiple levels. Kansas had one weakness, and that weakness was inside. We met, I think you used the term donut-ish for their team, and he exploited it over and over again on both ends of the floor, defensively and offensively. Your guy Mason was awesome again. He did his thing. He had 21 points, 4-4, four and four, all in all 40 minutes, did not, come, did not leave the floor, but Graham was badly outplayed by Dorsey. It was the mismatch of mismatches. Dorsey is giving Thornwell a run for run for his money as the best player in this tournament thus far, and he put up another 27 points. Jackson and Brooks kind of played to a near standstill, right? They, like Nobody really had the advantage there. They both uh, did their thing. But the Dorsey-Graham uh, uh, matchup is really where Oregon stood out, and Dorsey and Bell were the difference makers here. Mike, congratulations. You did pick this Oregon Ducks team preseason to get to the Final Four. You nailed this one back in October. And they even did it without Sports Illustrated cover model, Chris Boucher. Mike, congratulations on your preseason Final Four pick of the Oregon Ducks. Thank you, my friend. I have a quiz for you. At the 16-14 mark of the first half of this game to make the Final Four, LeGerald Vick made a three-pointer, Gus. And the score was Kansas 3, Oregon 2. Was that their only lead of the game? That is the last time they led in this game. That is exactly right. In a game that was in Kansas City with everybody screaming, LeGerald Vicks 3 at the 16-minute mark was the last time they led the entire game. This was fascinating. I, I, I laugh because, Gus, this is exactly why I picked Purdue. This is what I thought sure. would happen in the Purdue game. What I didn't count on is Jordan Bell turning into go-go gadget arms and legs and blocking everything inside. Listen, Kansas, there was a real interesting stat that was out there. If you look at Kansas's losses, I'll find it for our next pod this week when we do our final four picks. They have shot horrifically from three in all of these losses. Horrifically. Which may well, me, yeah, th- horrifically from three with like single-digit makes yeah, on single all digit- of those games. Oh, right? not even close. Yeah, and that's yeah. the thing. Like, Maybe they're too reliant on the three. I don't know what it is, but they look so good against Purdue. This Oregon team has a great coach. Dorsey has stepped up. You know what's fascinating is Casey Jacobson talked about this. He did. He, yeah, he did. He did. He said he felt their best lineup 
was Bell and Bro- Bell to five Brooks at the four. And he said that Boucher going out was not a big deal because basically the minutes got redistributed. So you know what happened, Gus? Boucher going out gave us more Dorsey and more Bell. That's yeah. what happened. And this team is as hot as anyone. They crushed them from start to finish. People were saying they shot the ball out of their mind. I don't know about that, guys. No. They, they were 11 of 25 from three-point range. Very good, 44%. That's not crazy. That's not like when Iowa State made like 65% of their threes in Kansas, all right? They had 13 turnovers to Kansas's eight. I would not say that this was a game they can't replicate against North Carolina. Big B. Williams, got to give them a little bit more. By the way, do you smell that, Gus? Do you smell the Peyton Pritchard big shot coming? Because we haven't had it yet. I do. I've do you smell it coming? It, yeah. I, I feel like it's coming. But listen, the whole key is this. I think you'll agree with me. Bell's got to stay out of foul trouble. Yeah. He can't get in foul trouble. This North Carolina game could be 300 to 300 because nobody can get into foul trouble. But I was real excited. I was happy for Oregon. I like him. I think it's a great story. The, the, the post game, don't sleep on us. They're sleeping next to each other. First time they've been in since the first national championship game of all time, first national tournament, I think 78 years. Kansas, it's fascinating, Gus. Say what you want. Bill Self's a great coach. He's had a great year. He did some nice adjustments this year. But I do believe we can toot our own horn here. I think all the stuff we talked about, um, the the lack of a bench, LeGerald Vick had seven, and that was pretty much it. The -the off-the-court stuff caught up with them. Josh Jackson, by the way, had two fouls in the first couple minutes. That was a killer. That took him out of the game. And when that happened, I go, hmm, that's something that's going to help Oregon. Landon Lucas was average. Mason was great. Devontae Graham had his streaky game. We said it. He's streaky. 0 of 7 from the field. 0 of 6 from three-point range. And three points. And there you go. Another tough loss for the Jayhawks. Whoa. Did you see what the Lawrenceville police tweeted out, by the way? Uh, I, I I did. Oh. That, that had to be a farcical It could have been tweet. a hack. I don't know. It was kind of funny. We're used to this anyway, so people play, you know, let's get home safe. Oh, jeez. Right. Like that, that's like asking for trouble almost. Like I know that they're like trying to you know, keep everybody safe, but that, that, that was comical, but I also think farcical. Uh, yeah, my final thought on this game is like, look, the Ducks are good. They were ranked in the preseason top five for good reason. They have an all-American caliber type player in Dylan Brooks, who is just finally kind of getting healthy. Like I very much mirror his season to EC Matthews seasons from Rhode Island. Like early on, neither one of those guys was straight. They weren't, they weren't healthy. Like their, their parts weren't working correctly. They couldn't do what they were asking their bodies to do early on in the season. And I, I even think Brooks is still even a little, little limited right now. So the fact that he's, Close to 100%. The same way that, you know, we saw EC Matthews, like, game totally go to a different level when he finally got healthy. And then Rhode Island goes on this run and makes a tournament, pulls an upset, and plays Oregon themselves very tightly uh, and almost pulls off that upset. Like, they're good for a reason. Like, we thought they were good in the preseason. Like, nothing's really changed. They just had a little bumps, a few bumps in the road. They had a minor, you know, or major injury to Boucher. And I'm going to give kudos to Casey Jameson. He totally said that, this you're overselling this injury Nailed because it. of the lineup they like to play. Nailed that was a it. great call by him. Nailed it. They'll be tested on, on Saturday for sure with that small lineup. But the, he nailed it. Yep. And then just when you thought the Zags and the Ducks making the final cool four was the coolest story. Yeah, think again. Then South Carolina happened, guys. The Gamecocks squeezed past SEC rival Florida 77-70 in the garden after being down seven at the half. 
All right, let's just say it right now, right, guys? Sundarius Thornwell is the best player in the 2017 NCAA tournament thus far, right? Like, the dude has put up over 100 points, and he's carried his team to the Final Four for the first time in school history as a seven seed. Dude is balling out. With Sundarius Thornwell. <laughs> Goes back to your uh, one of your, like, mottos, right? With Sundarius Thornwell. <laughs> Look, South Carolina is undefeated with Sundarius Thornwell. <laughs> Coach Willard from Seton Hall, you can't count that win because they were Sundarius Thornwell was not on the floor when you beat South Carolina. Ah, like, can we just go back and replay that one? That was awesome. End of the year. End of the year one. We'll have a lot of fun. Yeah. Coach Martin always seems to say just the right thing at just the right time all the time. Coach has kept his players around to graduate. He's made each one of them better individually and he's obviously made the squad much tighter and neater as a team and each season they've gotten better and better what else do you want from a coach or a leader coach martin is just the type of leader that i think your school your your management would want on any level he's honest and he has uh, – this reflects back to one of our podcasts like earlier on the season where he has like this talent that's totally underrated by the general public. And that talent is simply grit and hard work. Grit and hard work get overlooked all the time when you talk about talent. Mike, you've mentioned like if you have a motor and you get – and you play hard, you're going to have a job. Well, guess what? If you're a coach like Coach Martin and you're really sharp and you always work hard and you instill that grit into your players and your players play like that on the floor, guess what's going to happen? That's a talent. Like not every team plays with that edge. Not every team plays with that type of toughness. Not every team plays with that type of grit. Coach Martin's team do that all the time, every game, every possession, every half. Like they never take a possession off. That is a talent. It's an undersold talent. So if you say like, oh, that guy has great ball skills or he's a great jump shot, let's not ignore like that guy's really gritty. That's a talent. And this Gamecocks team is really talented in that area. Um, Mike, uh, speaking of the Gamecocks, uh, do you have a favorite Darius Rucker song? No, not even close. It's time. It's time. Time is wasting. Time, you ain't no friend of mine. Because, my, my friend, as I wrote in college, it is the greatest power. Time, we cannot stop it. So I love that Darius Rucker song by Time. I echo your, your comments on Frank Martin. He's got a certain style. And what's a beautiful thing about sports, particularly college basketball, is that style may not work. And he was let go in Kansas State. And, you know, sometimes it rubs people the wrong way, the intense eyes, the whole bit. But when you have people that buy in and people that respond and the rejuvenation he's done in South Carolina, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. This is a team, Gus, that ended the season losing at Old Miss 75-70 and then losing in the first round of the SEC tournament to Alabama 64-53. There is no indication that this team was going to get on this run. By the way, before then, they won two games against Tennessee and Mississippi State, but that was following three losses to Arkansas, at Vanderbilt, and at Florida, which wasn't even close. But Sindarius Thornwell, the part that I'll remember about him early this year, of course, he was out for the six games. I'll remember the 34 points at Kentucky where mm-hmm. he brought them back. He was 14 to 15 from the foul line. That was kind of like a whoa moment. Of course, the 44 points against Alabama, but that was four overtimes. Uh, but great job all around by South Carolina. Florida game was close. It was Florida kept battling. They were winning. It was back and forth. It was a nip and tuck game. 
But right now, Gus, they're buying what Frank Martin's selling. And honestly, they got momentum going. They sure do. Uh, my favorite Darius Rucker song, I like uh, Wagon Wheel. I like that little oh, yeah, country good, twang. Good, very, yeah. Good, yeah. Um, very, very into that. Uh, well, congrats to all of the Gamecock family out there. Uh, congrats to all of those fans, that entire fan base, that entire program. So exciting that, that like you are the coolest story of the Final Four. Congratulations out there, guys. And then uh, just when you, th- you were thinking, what a wonderful Elite Eight. It's got unique stories. It's got worthy programs. It has giant beards. It has lime green uniforms. It has coaches who set great examples. Then we get the treasure that was the rematch of UNC and Kentucky. The rematch, much like the UCLA rematch, was just as awesome from back to front. The hero was not anyone mentioned anywhere, anywhere, on any airwaves, it was not, he was not mentioned in any article. He was not mentioned in any chatting. He was not mentioned in any tweeting about this epic showdown, and that adds to the storyline. Luke May hits the game winner, point three left. What? Probably the worst shot in basketball, the long two. Hits a long two off of a Pinson dish on kind of a broken play, very similar to the Jordan Matthews play for Gonzaga uh, in the final 70 seconds. When he hit that big three to give Gonzaga a little bit of a cushion. We mentioned that Luke May might run some interference like in the post for Bam Adebayo. But by no means did we think that he was going to be the guy that would send his team to the final four in the last second. In the most, no, I'm going to say it's the second most iconic shot in this tournament. Chris Chioza still holds that post. Sorry, Luke. The undervalued element here was Coach Williams had him in the endgame situation at all. Like, you figure if you're UNC, you definitely have Barry and Jackson on the floor, right? You probably have Hicks out there. Probably put Pinson, maybe Britt, maybe Meeks. It was just a brilliant coaching move by Coach Williams for trusting the former walk-on. Now, May isn't your, like, typical walk-on. He had scholarship offers from other schools. But he really wanted to play at UNC, so he joined the team as a walk-on and then earned his scholarship after, after that. Coach Williams even found a spot for Stillman White to contribute in this game with a couple of boards and a made uh, reverse layup. Which I is love pretty Stillman sp- White. I love, yeah. love Stillman White, yes. I can't believe he was – when I saw him on the floor, I was like, whoa, Coach Roy really pulling out all the stops here. I like this. Uh, Coach always puts his players in positions to succeed, and Sunday was absolutely no different than any other time. Look, Kentucky was tough. They didn't back away from the moment. Their upperclassmen, Hawkins and Humphreys, each had double figures to keep this game close while the Wildcats had a deal with Bam and Fox on the bench with some foul issues early on. But really, Monk and Fox were just very ordinary against a very well-coached veteran backcourt. They combined for, I don't know, a very well below average, 25 points. Cal might complain about those fouls, but the fouls were pretty even here, 1918, so there's not much beef there. The two crazy stats from this game are this. UNC had six more turnovers than Kentucky, and they only shot it 20% from three. Both those stats are so ugly that it might deny your team a trip to the Final Four, but guess what? Luke May's shot corrected all that, Mike. What did you see in this particular matchup? What did you take away from May's shot? What did you take away from the endgame situation where Monk tried to keep him close with a couple of those threes? 
A lot of things to say here. First of all, Cal, pipe down. Enough with the fouls. Okay, you had foul trouble in the first half. You know why? Because De'Aaron Fox feels the need to hand check Stillman White and try to rip him there at the top, of, uh, at the uh, right in front of the bench. Listen, De'Aaron, you have one foul. You can't get the second one. And if you got to rip Stillman White, the worst that's going to happen is it's a turnover. I thought it was a silly job by him. Were some of the fouls questionable? Of course they were questionable. But you know what, Gus? It doesn't matter. Because even with all that foul trouble, and I give Cal a lot of credit for two big coaching moves. Number one, in-game, he sat Fox and he sat Monk for a long period of time. That was a long stretch in the first half. I thought it was too long. I'll say, if you sit next to me at the time, I said this is a mistake. But you know what? On Bam's two made free throws with 17.35 left in the second half, Kentucky's up one. At that point, nothing matters that happened before. Zero, because you got the lead back after doing that. And number two, which I think I got to give Cal a lot of credit. Gosh, Gus, I'm giving uh, credit to self. I'm giving coaching credit to Cal. What's going on here? I, I, I kind of don't even know who I'm talking to he, right now. He, <laughs> here's what happened. In the, he did something that I would have never done myself, and it was brilliant. In that first game, they got killed inside. They got killed with Meeks. They got killed with Hicks. Secondary break. Meeks was coming down. Remember we did the 10-round recap? They were coming down, slam post-secondary break. How many times did we mention that? So what he did is he doubled Meeks and Hicks whenever they touched the ball. That, to me, was astounding because I would say to myself, you're going to double Meeks and Hicks, who are, what, 10-point-per-game players, give or take, and it's not like they have a bevy of Hakeem Olajuwon-like post moves. Plus, you're going to leave shooters open, so you're going to have to scramble. You know what? It worked. It disrupted Meeks. It disrupted Hicks, and they were able to recover out of it. And listen, Meeks had a fantastic game on the boards. He had 17 rebounds. He had five offensive rebounds. I give him all the credit in the world. But Hicks was bothered. That's why Luke May was in the game. Luke May had 17 points. Hicks had four points. So I give Cal a lot of credit for that move. He doubled on the touch, and they were able to recover out of it. I thought it was a brilliant, brilliant coaching move. Only other things I saw was this. De'Aaron Fox is a special player. Uh, him and Monk, and Monk made those threes. Wonderful players. I want to see the passion. I didn't see any of that passion from Lonzo Ball when UCLA was eliminated. I think he had one foot out the door in the middle of the game as well. But did Fox and Monk, bam, crying after the game. They wanted it so badly. You can tell they took it personally. That's what I want to see, Gus. I want to see these players care. I want to see them not just worry about the NBA. They wanted to win this game. They went up a huge step in my mind for that. Monk did what Monk does at the end of the game. And my last thing, which will be a little preview of what we're going to talk about this week, Joe Berry's not 100%. He wasn't 100% coming into that game. Something came out that he rolled his ankle in practice, then he rolled his ankle in the game. If he's not 100%, Gus, here's this vaunted UNC offense and their points. Kennedy Meeks, 7. Isaiah Hicks, 4. Theo Pinson, 9. Big game for him. Justin Jackson, 19. Joe Berry, 11. I will tell you this. If that happened against Oregon, we're quacking in the finals. They're going to need a better performance than that. It is going to be an issue. I, I totally agree with that. They have to get him right. He has to be. He has to be at the head of that monster for unc to go ahead and defeat the ducks if not then can't you see like there's your pritchard big shot opportunity right didn't practice today, he didn't practice yeah. today either i i think they were hiding yeah. something there and listen jackson is special justin jackson is special you're counting on 17 again from luke may you think dana altman's not gonna be guarding luke may now he had his surprise game you know uh, stillman white tony bradley i mean these guys are six points maybe something like that off the bench this was a brilliant game I love that Kentucky got the lead back. I found myself rooting for Kentucky because I yeah. wanted to see Fox and Monk. I, I got to tell you, Fox is one or two to me in the NBA draft when we do our draft show. He's a special player. He, he's, re- he's really good. He's really good. He can finish at the rim. His defense is great. 
God, I mean, look at the moves he makes in college, Gus. The NBA, you can take 12 steps. I mean, Darren Fox could average 25 yeah. points a game. I mean, just a wonderful, wonderful player. Monk is is a tremendous shooter. My goodness. Great job. Bam inside worked hard. They need to give him the ball a little bit more, but kudos to Cal. Kudos to Kentucky fan. UNC with a gritty win. The way you described it was right on the money. Uh, last thing for me on this game, and then you know, then we'll do you know just talk about the games this weekend, just a smidge, and then we'll give the listeners a little bit deeper dive moving forward. Is you know that the UNC guys are invested in the uniform, the front of the name on the uniform. You know that those guys are family. Roy preaches that. I mean, you saw their locker room celebration. Everybody was keyed into what Coach Roy was doing. And the thing that really stood out to me with that Fox and Bam interview after the game, they're invested in the uniform too. Loved it. Like, I think that's an undervalued success that Calipari has had at Kentucky is that once you put on a Kentucky Wildcat uniform, like, you're invested. You're part of the family. You're always welcome back no matter when you leave. And that really rung true to me. And that told me that those guys were not only invested in like what they were doing at Kentucky, they were invested in their teammates. They were invested in the, in the process. They were invested in this season. So that part really rung true to me. And I'm glad that that got exposed as maybe, I don't know, as embarrassing or maybe as, I don't know, honest or raw that that moment was. It's really cool that that emotion was emitted and that, People got to view that and they got to see that those kids really care about their university. They really care about that uniform and they really cared about each other. So that part, that, that, that part kind of brought me back a little bit. And, and, you know, as a former student college a- athlete, like how much you care. And like the biggest thing you always miss is, is, is your guys, like the, the, the talk in the locker room, the hard work and practice. And you can tell that they were experiencing that that was not going to, that was not going to take place tomorrow. Like their season was over. They, they, they had the cold realization that they weren't going to go get yelled at by Cal tomorrow in practice. It and was, that was really sad for them. It was real. It was genuine. And Cal gets sold short. The best yeah. quality you can have in your life, whatever you do as your job, is to get people to buy what you believe in and to get them on the train. Nobody does it better than Cal. These are players who are averaging 25 or 30 points a game in high school. They are the man at every one of their schools. They come in and they buy in. Wenyan Gabriel's on the side of a milk carton. He hasn't played. He's in there rooting for the kids. Well, wonderful job by Calipari. These kids care. These freshmen do. Don't say that they don't. I love to see it. I was sad when they lost now. It was really wonderful. It was a wonderful moment. All right, so Mike, how about we just do a really quick off the cuff uh, what you're feeling for each game coming up this weekend, and then of course you know we'll give the listeners a little deeper dive on what we're going to think about and crunch some numbers on things and really pay attention to matchups uh, later on this week because uh, I do have some lines for you. Ready for them? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay, so uh, first game we have or I don't know if I'm not sure exactly sure of the order of the games, but I have Oregon and UNC. And I have UNC favored by five currently. Line opened at five. Ton of money poured in. It went up to five and a half. Now it's back down to five again. Very quick analysis here. Mm. I don't see how you can't take Oregon and the points. I don't understand the logic. They've struggled. Berry is not 100%. Oregon just knocked out probably the best team in the tournament and did it handily. 
I don't see how you can't grab five points. I, 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 I like to me if the underdog can win the game, why not take the points? I, you know, I've made mistakes in the past. I didn't think Kentucky could beat UCLA. I was wrong. I think Oregon can beat UNC. I don't know if it'll happen, but I think it's very reasonable. So I'm leaning towards taking the points there. What do you think? How about I love the points? How about that? Is that is that an okay thing to say? I love. Ducks and the five points. You loving there. the points make me love the points even more. <laughs> um, I mean, we'll get we'll we'll definitely do our homework on this and and crunch some numbers for you guys and, and then obviously spit it back out at you. But I I really like just the initial quick look that I took. Uh, if we're gonna take a look at a betting line on this, and then to who wins the game outright, it is unbelievably as we've talked about on this podcast before. It is Joel Berry the second dependent. If that guy plays, they have a chance to beat anybody anytime. He doesn't play, they become a they transform from a top three team in the nation to a top thirty three team in the nation. And he, very, he very he's going to play. He's going to play, but he's got to play better than he did this oh, weekend. He's oh, got to yeah. play vintage Joel Berry. If he doesn't, I think the Tar Heels are in. Tr- if you told me Joel Berry had eleven points. I'd bet a substantial amount of money if gambling was legal on the five points and then the Ducks. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I believe that this is a very Joel pendant, dependent uh, game here. I think we got to pay attention to how healthy he is and and maybe look try to find like some sort of secret hidden message on how healthy he is from from any of the press releases. Uh, okay, let's take a peek at the second game super fast for the listeners: South Carolina versus Gonzaga. The Zags are currently favored by six and a half. I have. I want Gonzaga in the championship game. I'm sorry. I'm giving my own opinion here. No offense to Gamecock fans. Nobody wants South Carolina in the championship game. Nobody wants South Carolina UNC. Nobody wants South Carolina Oregon. You want the team that people were saying maybe couldn't get here, that has the best balance, that has depth, that has a great coach. Everybody wants Gonzaga in that finals. Everybody does. You don't, you don't want a seven seed in the finals. I'm sorry. But... Gus, South Carolina can win this game. Sure can. They're very aggressive. They're in your face. They play a West Virginia-like defense in terms of half court. They can rebound with Gonzaga a little bit inside. They're a little undersized, obviously, with Tilly and Collins, but they, they can rebound, and they have probably the best player on the floor. So I, that's, I, would, agree, I would agree with that. So I would like, agree with the best player on the floor. They don't have – like, Goss is great. It's close, but, mm-hmm. like, West Virginia didn't have that. Javon Carter had 15 points. Like, Sindarius Thornwell could have 30 points in this game. Like, so again, if I think South Carolina can win, and I think they can win, why would I not take the six and a half? Gonzaga did not cover against South Dakota State. They did not cover against Northwestern. They did not cover against West Virginia. They did cover big time against Xavier. I don't know. Six is a lot. I'm rooting for Gonzaga. I want to see them in there, but... How do I not take six and a half when I think South Carolina could win the game? I don't know. That's my thought. I'm going the complete other way. I like Gonzaga and the points here. I do realize and recognize the the Cinderella ride that that South Carolina is on. And by the way, um, I think there would be a lot of people in North Carolina and South Carolina that would want to see that final. That'd be awesome. It's for, true. Uh, I'm talking about down yeah, south. No, yeah. no, it's true. I'm just talking nationally. I, yeah, yeah. You sure. want to see the Zags? You want to Zags are still the Cinderella in a lot of ways. Because oh, sure. People still think they're small. People want to see. Imagine Gonzaga, North Carolina. That's like great. Butler, Duke. It'd be like the same thing, or even Oregon. Yeah. Two schools that have never won. I don't know. I just South Carolina. 
uh, I don't know. I, I think they're the team that, that the least amount of people want in the finals. So I, I really just this is just early on, but I really like Gonzaga and the points here. I think there's a number of elements why this game kind of favors Gonzaga. Here is the kryptonite, and you, you touched on this a little bit earlier. The kryptonite is Cinderius Thornwell. And Coach Greenberg has actually mentioned this, like on game day and throughout the season. And, uh, you know, we want to give kudos to him, but, you know, we, we see the same thing as well. The one part of the Gonzaga team that is not up to snuff with other, you know, title contending teams is they don't have that, like, stud at the, like, small forward ish position or the wing position. Um, you know, they play Matthews out there, they play Perk out there, um, they'll even put, uh, you know, Nigel Williams Goss on, you know, a great perimeter uh, player because he's very solid defensively. But none of those guys are as big as Thornwell. So as much as we talked about how um, Perkins and Melson could probably match up with Blewett athletically from Xavier, I think Thornwell's just a like maybe like a half tick up from Blewett and definitely a little bit thicker and maybe about an inch bigger. So I think that might be part of the matchup problem and part of the kryptonite. If South Carolina does have a blueprint to win this game, I think it starts with him. And it can, we, we can talk about the other things a little bit later on of how they can win. But I think that might be the place that they might have tried to attack. Uh, but I think there's too many other moving parts for South Carolina to piece this win together, especially with Gonzaga's size, sound ball handling, um, unbelievably underrated defensive uh, qualities. Again, I like Gonzaga. Um, but I'm we'll just, get I'm just curious. Yeah. How many points would that line have to be for you to think about taking South Carolina? I think it would have to be at least eight and a half or nine. Okay. All right. So it would be single digits. It wouldn't have to get to – I was thinking it would have to get to 10 to 12. Yeah. How about – you said think about it. I would think about it at eight and a half okay, or nine. Okay. If I was going to take South Carolina, I think it would have to ride into double digits. Yeah. Yeah. And Mike, I, I think we just want to end with some thank yous, right? Yeah, let's do it. Thank you, okay. Luke, thank you, Luke May, for making an incredible shot. That, uh, <laughs> That's great. And yeah. making it to class on time at eight oh three the next day, which was all over Twitter, by the way. Making did he business. really? Yeah, he made it to his business class uh, at eight a.m. the next day. They gave him a standing ovation when he walked in. That's pretty cool. I did not see that. That's that's awesome that he made it to class. Great job out of his classmates to give him a standing ovation. Um, I hope he just sat down and started taking notes right away. That's totally cool. Thank you out there, listeners. Thank you for tuning us in. We'll get back to you guys later on this week with a, a Final Four breakdown. We have some other goodies for you as well. We hope you enjoyed the interview with uh, Casey Jacobson. Big thank you to him. Uh, it was awesome that he got up on the West Coast to talk to us and then talk to you guys. So uh, thank you, uh, Casey Jacobson, for giving us a few minutes. It was an honor to have you on the show. Um, huge insight, and he, you know, he gave you a little crystal ball uh, for that Oregon game, which was really cool. Um, uh, thank you, Beljar, for taking us in and out, and thank you, technology department. You guys have been rocking it in the technology department. Well done, technology department. Technology, we love Block Talk Radio. Thanks, Block Talk Radio too. You guys have been unbelievably smart, unbelievably clever, and unbelievably classy to work with. So thank you guys so much for helping us for the transition over. And listeners, thanks for moving over with us and finding us and sticking with us. We really appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, please hit up the show. You want to hit us up on Twitter? Find us at SDS Podcast. Again, economy of keystrokes there. Uh, you want to hit us up on uh, email? Please email the show. SDSPodcast at gmail.com. We love interacting with you guys. Any, Mike, anything else? No, that's it, man. I think I hear it now. That's Hootie. Time. It's coming in. It's a little Hootie. 
We love time. Final four will be here before we know. We'll come back this week, folks. We'll give you final four picks, some breakdowns, some news and notes, and some coaching changes. We're excited. Another day. And I don't believe